Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to our first episode of the Maze and Mets podcast. John of Mets Updates on Instagram here, along with Jake otherwise known as the first 162 on Instagram, we will be breaking down the latest Mets news and rumors so far this offseason. But first, Mets minor league outfielder Patrick Biondi will be joining us shortly. All right, as I said before, um, out, Mets outfielder um, prospect Patrick Biondi will be joining us very su- very shortly. Um, but first, uh, Jake and I will be introducing ourselves. Jake, you could go ahead first. All right. Hey, welcome to the podcast, everyone. Um, so my name is Jake. I've been a Met fan my whole life. Um, but I also run a Instagram account on um, called the first 162, and I cover basically every team. I, I mean, I try to give some good analysis on different players, teams, actions, and moves that happen throughout baseball. And yeah, I'm, I'm a big baseball fan, but I'm a bigger Mets fan. So I'm excited to start this journey with you, John. All right, great. As you well as as you also. Um, so of course, my name's John. Um, I've run Mets updates for about four or five years now. Um, we've gotten up to about 16,000 followers on that, uh, page. And, you know, I just love breaking down the latest Mets news and rumors. And, um, you know, I, I'd love to continue doing it through this podcast. It's really a great opportunity for me. I really can't wait. So as, um, as, uh, I said before, uh, Mets prospect outfielder Patrick Biondi will be joining us shortly. Um, uh, a little bit to know about him. Um, he was a standout player at University of Michigan, and he was drafted by the Mets in the ninth round of the 2013 draft. And he split the 2018 season between Binghamton and AAA Las Vegas. Um, he's uh, so. Um, do you have any uh, anything to add, Jake? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, I feel like the, uh, Patrick has been sort of a, a a mainstay in the Mets organization, and I feel like I see his name whenever, I mean, I have um, Mets minor league teams uh, notifications on, so when they score, all of that, um, I see whoever knocked him in, um, the name pop up, and I feel like I always see his name, so I'm excited to put a voice to the name at least and um yeah get get to know the guy that sort of knows this farm system inside and out i mean he's touched every single team in the whole entire yeah. farm system so um mm-hmm. he definitely knows the organization pretty well 
You know, it's pretty awesome because, um, you know, this is our first episode ever of doing this. And to get um, somebody like Patrick on the show, that's pretty awesome. Um, he'll be joining us very shortly. Um, I can't wait to talk to him. We have a bunch of questions for him. It's not every day that you get to talk to a professional baseball player like Patrick. Yes, and for everyone, I mean, obviously this is our first episode. We're going to be trying to get guys like this on. So if you know anyone, if you have contact with someone who works or plays for the Mets organization, I mean, we'd love to connect with them and make them a part of our, our podcast family, the baseball yeah. podcast um, family. Call in number is 845-277-9345. Want to call in and give us some questions? Want to um, talk some Mets? We're definitely going to be um, after the interview. We could talk about the interview. We could talk about um, as we go throughout the show. We'll talk about rumors. Um, we'll talk about the moves they've already made, like the Robinson Cano deal and the Edwin Diaz deal, um, the, the the signing for uh, Wilson Ramos and all. All right, so um, ready now. Joining us now is Mets minor league outfielder Patrick Biondi. Welcome to the show, Patrick. Thanks for having me. Hey, so Patrick, no we're, I'm going to start you off. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Um, I'm going to start you off with our with our first question, and we're just going to jump right into it, so we can get as much as much out of you as possible. Sounds good. All right. So uh, my first question for you. So obviously you got you got called up this year. Congratulations on that. That was an awesome accomplishment for you. Um, what what was that feeling like for the first appearance in uh, the AAA team of the organization you've been playing your whole entire career with? Uh, I mean, going into the year, I felt like I had a, a really good spring training, so I was really happy with, with how that went. And then starting the season in AAA Vegas, I was I was really excited to, to move up a level and have a chance to – compete and hopefully uh, get called up. So I was definitely really excited to start the year in AAA and, um, you know, just continue to work on my game and try to get ready for um, playing in the major leagues. Okay, um, Patrick, John here. Uh, thank you for coming on the show, first off. I really appreciate it. This is our first show, so it's um, really awesome to have you as our first guest. Uh, my question for you is – uh, your first guest. Awesome. It's just awesome. Um, my first question for you is, what was the difference between uh, coaching styles um, between both of your um, hitting coaches in AA and AAA? Was there a difference? Did it affect you in any way? Um, I think when you get to, to that level, it's more just the personality. So uh, Valentino, Pascucci, and AA was a little bit more laid back. Um, you know, anytime you wanted to work with him, he was more than willing to work, but he wasn't going to talk to you in between at bats. He was going to kind of let you do your thing. Um, whereas uh, Chimmy in, in AAA was a little bit more hands-on, a little bit more uh, wanted to know what you were thinking and seeing from at bat to at bat. So I think it's more just that personal style of how to how to talk to hitters and communicate more so than anything mechanical or um, approach-wise. Okay. All right. That's interesting. Um, Jake again. So when you started off in AAA this year, um, just looking at your numbers, because I'm sort of the numbers guy, I, I love to look at splits and stuff. Um, it looked like you were hitting 
a a lot more ground balls in Triple A. Was do you think that's in uh, attributed to the pitching style that was um, in Triple A, or or what what would you attribute that to? You know what? I'm not really sure. I I don't know what the numbers are um, off the top of my head, but I think part of it might just be a smaller sample size, um, especially in AAA this year. I was playing um, a lot, like coming in and pinch hitting a lot, um, playing, you know, every two or three days. Um, So there was a little bit of inconsistency where maybe the numbers are a little bit off. Um, Because, yeah, I don't think I I really did anything too drastically different approach-wise. But, again, um, I think every season is just, about learning a little bit more about yourself as a player and as a person and understanding how to be more consistent. And so that's kind of the way I looked at this past year was um, just growing as as an individual and as a player so that I can be more consistent and be ready to, to help the major league team when that time comes. All right. Um, that's uh, Prospect Outfielder Patrick Biondi with us. Uh, my question uh, is uh, Ty Kelly just completed an uh, – it was sort of like an op-ed for Metsmerized. Um, uh, he's a teammate of yours. Uh, throughout the ed- his editorial, he talked about um, the struggles that minor leaguers face throughout the season concerning like a looming demotion or something like that. Does prospects of a promotion or demotion ever get to your um, – ever come up in your mind? Um, do you ever think about it? Yeah, I think you definitely think about it um, if you're – if I'm answering that question honestly, but I think one of the challenges is learning how to let go of that and focus more on, on what you're doing at that time. And obviously that can be a little bit challenging because of the longevity of the season, because of the longevity of trying to make it to the major leagues. Um, there's a lot of frustration and anticipation that comes up and pressure, whatever you want to call it. Um, so yeah, that's definitely there. But I think for me, um, it's been more about learning how to let go of that and focus more on on my routine and playing the game the way that that I'm capable of playing the game so that no matter where I'm at, I'll be able to perform. Okay. Um, Jake, again, so you've obviously been a, a mainstay in the Mets organization since 2013 when you were drafted. Um Coming out of college, is there something that you attribute to the organization itself that they helped you grow and helped you improve on throughout your game? Like, is there a specific piece of your game that you think has grown a lot uh, since your college career? Hmm, That's an interesting question. Um, You know, I think there's so much work that goes into it. Um, a lot of it in the swing and hitting. And I've seen my swing change so much from the time I was in college to now that, there, you know, there's a lot of people I've worked with that have kind of helped me to fine-tune it and continue to improve. So I, I would say that's probably one area that gets a lot of the attention. I think maybe an area that I feel like I've grown a lot are just, like, little parts of the game. So, like, being able to talk with, like a catching coordinator like Rob Nadel and hear a catcher's perspective on what he's looking for from a base dealer or different things to look for from, from a pitcher or from a catcher when you're trying to steal a base. Um, I think just little intricacies of the game like that are what you 
get the most from, from your coaches who have a ton of experience and have played the game at a really high level. All right, um, Patrick Biondi with us here. Um, my, my next question is um, the Mets the Mets major league team, they do have some holes on their roster in the outfield this, uh, position, especially in the center field position. Um, of course you play that and play it well, might I say, um, has this affected the way you've been preparing for the 2019 season or has it had very little impact on the way you prepare? Um, I don't think I've thought about that at all. No, I think for me, the, the shift has been, um, to focus, to shrink my focus a little bit and focus on what I'm doing um, both mentally and physically to prepare for the season. And I do think, though, that my mindset has changed where I am thinking about how I can help the major league team, um, where before, you know, you're you're just kind of battling, um, trying to do everything you can, you can just to get to the major leagues. I feel like now I'm looking at it, and like you said, like we have a really good roster, in the big leagues, a team that's probably going to be in contention this year. So I just want to prepare myself to be able to help that team in any way I can. All right. All right. Yeah, yeah, that, uh, that's, that's something I really respect. And, uh, I mean, a lot of people might just look look to the top and, and try and shoot there. But you got to take it one step at a time and improve within yourself. Um, and I think that that's a that's a big thing for a ball player to, to recognize. Um Speaking of speaking of that mentality as a as a baseball player, what is I always find this so interesting because I, I feel like it changes between players when when they talk about. It. But what is your approach during the first pitch when you come up to bat? Like what what are you? I mean, obviously you're looking fastball. A lot of people look fastball. But what what is going on throughout your mind? What is there any like ticks that you have? Any traditions? Anything like that? Uh, there's no, there's no traditions or anything that I have, but I think for me, like what I'm looking for in the first pitch is, is different depending on the at bat, you know, especially as a type of hitter that's looked to to get on base. Um, I, there's definitely times where I'll go up and not be swinging at the first pitch, um, whether it's to see a guy that I've never faced before or just to try to work a count late in the game when we need a base runner or something like that. So I think it kind of varies depending on the situation, especially with just like what, what my role is for the team. All right. Um, last question. We'll let you go after this. Um, our time's almost uh, run out, but uh, uh, my question is uh, during your time at uh, university of Michigan, you were an all around standout and team captain during your senior year. What did you take from your time at university of Michigan? a good question I, you know I, I kind of learned a lot went through a lot at Michigan and going into to my career there you know the team had done really well the couple of years before and I was hoping to be part of a class that that took took the baseball program to the next level and we kind of struggled for a couple of years ended up getting a new coaching staff my senior year um, so it wasn't it wasn't the uh the fairy tale ending that I had hoped for in college. I think that for me, maybe one of the things that I learned the most was how to how to persevere and how to bounce back, even when things didn't go the way that you planned for them to go. Um, something that's definitely applicable in in the professional baseball world. 
All right. All right. Well, thank, you for, thank you for joining yeah, us. I really uh, appreciate it. Thank yeah, you, guys. Patrick, I appreciate I you having you. Sorry. Okay, go for it, John. All right. Yeah, yeah, I'll go. Um, thank you for joining us, Patrick. Um, that was Patrick Biondi of uh, the – he plays in the mess system. He's um, been – he was drafted in 2013. He's been a stalwart in the mess system for um, over half a decade, and he played with uh, AA and AAA last year. We really wish him luck going on next year. Um, so thanks a lot. Thank you guys for having me. All right, and now we are going to be going to our first break. Um, stay tuned, everybody. Calling all Diamondbacks fans. Join Chris and Blake every Friday as we host the Rattle Up podcast, a show dedicated to reporting D-backs news, rumors, and anything else going on in Arizona and around the MLB. This week, we will discuss the future of the franchise after the face of the franchise's departure where big names like Harper and Machado will sign, and potential game-breaking rule changes in baseball. We will provide an insightful analysis from two fans straight from the desert and take calls from anyone wanting to share their opinion. Make sure to stop by at 6 Eastern Time on Friday for the premiere episode of, of the Rattle Up podcast. All right, and we're back. Um, coming on with this, it was a very good interview. Um, his aunts were very good. Um, but now we will uh, begin breaking down the off-season moves, uh, you know, co- coming into uh, today. Um, we've had, we've had, so, um, you know, many moves. Like Edwin Diaz, we brought in. We brought in Robinson Cano. We've we've re-signed. Well, not re-signed, but we've brought back Jerry Familia to be a setup man for Diaz. And we've also signed Wilson Ramos, so we've got a lot going on, um, and we'll break down those moves. But yeah, first, so um, first we're going to move to a caller. We're going to go to the phones right now. Uh, we got Scoop from New Jersey on the line. Scoop. Hey, what's up? How's it going, hey, Scoop? What's going on? How you doing, guys? Good. 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 So, what's the question? Um. So, like, um, how do you think, um? Since, like, Cespedes' arm is, like, really, like, powerful, do you think he's going to be a pitcher? Like, maybe he would ever be a pitcher? Uh, yeah, I really see that happening. You know, he's he's been warming up before uh, really good. Uh, he might he might be uh, our ace. We might have to put him in front of DeGrom, you know what I'm saying, kid? All right, thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank you. Wasted our time. Thank you. Um, All right, so – Let's talk about this uh, trade we first made with the, the, the Diaz and Cano. I feel like on my side of that deal, you know, um, it really goes forward to put our team in a uh, spot for contention. Um, Diaz is an electric arm, one of the best. He probably is the best reliever in baseball right now. Um, he changes his bullpen right away, especially the bottom part of that bullpen. And Cano, bringing Cano in, he fills that second base for at least two years. I feel like two to three years it could be, depending on whether or not he continues his production. He's stayed on that road. Hopefully he can continue um, unless he ends up like uh, like Alomar or something like that. I don't want that. But, you know, that always stays back in your mind, especially with the 36-year-old second baseman. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a I'm a big fan of um, this whole entire trade. I think, I mean, we we gave away some key prospects. Obviously, I mean, our first round draft pick and Jared Kalanick, and we gave away Justin Dunn, who was a very promising prospect, and and also uh, Gershon Bautista, which a lot of people would skip over just because of his uh, lack of control in his previous appearances. Um, in the major leagues, at least. Um, but he, he, throws, he throws gas, and I think, and I think it, it, it sucks that we have to let go of these guys, but I think we made a very necessary move for the mindset that um, Brody Van Wagen actually has. And think so, of it, uh, um, going, into that, think of it going into that deal, um, you know, we kind of had to do that. Everybody was saying that Mariners' backs were against the wall, but because we have the Will Ponds as our owners, our backs were against the wall because we're not going to compete um, with the cert- current budget that we have unless we make those type of deals, unless we get creative with the deals. We have to get guys in on lower salaries like Diaz because Diaz, once he hits the free agent market, he's getting a big contract. Now um, we have uh, – um, Ronaldo from New York on the phone. Let's go to the phone. So, uh, hello? Hey, Ronaldo, what's going on? John, how you doing, buddy? Good, good. It's um, good to have you on. So you want to talk about Bryce Harper. What was your question on that? So do you think that we have any shot again in Bryce Harper, or do you think that he's definitely not coming to the Mets? What do you think, Jake? Um, yes, uh, I sort of want to pick that up. I think what a lot of people – I'm I'm going to say blanket. It's very far from happening, but I think, I mean, under under Brody, I think there's a lot of possibility. I think the big thing that a lot of people are saying is that because we don't want to pay Pollock um, the money that he wants, that's the reason um, that we won't pay we won't pay Harper. Yeah, Pollock does want a lot. Yeah, the only the only thing with that is that Harper is worth a lot more than Pollock, and I think the reason we don't want to pay Pollock is because of what his actual value is. Um, so yeah, uh, so right, that, that what I'm gonna say. I'm not. Yeah, my bad. You keep going. I didn't want to cut you off. Yeah, I, I didn't. I, I don't know if it's anywhere close to happening. I I truly don't believe it's going to happen, but. Um, I, I wouldn't be entirely surprised if if something something comes of it. All right, here's what I think. First off, not only the Mets, but every team should be on, in on a guy like Bryce Harper or Manny Machado. The only reason teams aren't doing it is because they're um, you know cheaper, be, um, acting in a cheaper way that they got. They want to find other ways to do it. But these guys will change a lineup for a decade for almost every team. Harper would be a mainstay in this lineup for almost a decade if we were to sign him. And, you know, I don't mind giving him the money because we don't have a lot of money um, invested into players after 2020. So we can really set aside that um, uh, payroll now like we've done in the past. And it's just a shame that they haven't really been aggressive on this. So what I think they should definitely sign him, but the case is they're not going to, and it's not going to happen. They're thinking about – smaller market moves to help the team in other ways. All right, John, I agree with you. Yeah, thank you so much. Johnny boy, I'll talk to you later. (laughs) I'll see you. Take care, Ronaldo. Um, All right, so 
Yeah, that that was one of my friends from uh, Staten Island. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> so let's uh, keep talking about um, Familia next. Bringing in Familia is huge. It helps solidify that setup role in that bullpen because after that, after that, you've got Giselman, who's he was consistent earlier in the season last year, but he's no sure thing. I mean, he's nice to have in the bullpen, but he's not a setup man by any means for a competitive team. And you've got Seth Lugo, who is like a, a, a long-release pitcher. He gives you a lot of innings. Um, he's very good in many different roles. He could possibly become the setup man for the seventh inning next year. But we don't know. We have to see what else they're going to do on that front. Uh, what do you think, Jake? Yeah, uh, I'm a big fan of this Familia re-signing, uh, in a sense, re-signing. Um, uh, I've, I've, I mean, I've had his, my ifs with him. I've, I've had my opinions on him, um, in the sense that he gives up a lot of base runners. But what's crazy is that he gives up those base runners, and he has good numbers um, when men are on base. So, I mean, it's not too much to worry about. But um, yeah, to add on to your the relief pitching staff for a second. I'm excited for a Paul Seawall Paul Seawall comeback here. I mean, he he sort of had a little bit of an if at the end, and uh, I'm excited to see him uh, come back and and show everyone that he's a he's a big um big part of this, this bullpen. Uh, so let, let's go to the phones again. Uh, we got Liam um, from New York. On the line. Here we go. Liam? Yo, what's up? How's it going, Liam? What's going on, Liam? Um, So, what's your opinion on Machado? You know, do you like him or, you know, people got mixed opinions about him? Yeah, take take this one, John. Uh, I love Machado. First of all, I just said before, he would change any team that he would go on to because he's such a – productive player offensively and defensively. Um, every team should be in on him and Harper. I don't care about him not running out stuff. We have Cespedes on our team. First off, listen, I love the guy. He's great, but, you know, he's always been a diva, and he's never been on the field because he's been injured. So if we could take a guy like Cespedes, but um, show this moral authority as if, oh, we can't take on Machado because he doesn't run to first. We should be – it's all, only – the only reason we're not in on him is because of the money. And, um, you know, it's just a shame because um, we all know what's behind that. Now, can you count on Cespedes to be back and be consistent at the end of the season? Um, I definitely you know, I say think... that he yeah, could definitely uh, but... be consistent. Um, it, you know, he just got to, um, <laughs> you know, he's just got to stay on the field. Um, he's got to stay away from um, – Golf. <laughs> he's gotta he's gotta make sure he's healthy and everything. I think we'll see him for a bit this season. Um there are reports that, you know, we can't um we can't go into the season saying that Cespedes is gonna be there at the end. We can't even say that. And I agree with that. We should not take that for anything as a sure thing. But I do expect him to be there at the end of the season. I feel like that'll be something that doesn't happen. But I wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't happen. I wouldn't be surprised if he wouldn't be able to make it back this season. If the Mets are out of it, let's say, by um, June, you know, then something like that's definitely um, 
not going to happen. He'll just sit out the rest of the season, get ready for the next year. Um, but if they're competitive, he's going to be wanting to get in there. You'll bet, you'll bet that he'll be in it. And I feel like we'll be competitive this season, definitely. Um, Jake, what yeah, do you think I, on that? I just to, yeah, I just wanted to tap into that for a second. I, I'm, I'm convinced that if, well, yes, we're going to be competitive. I feel like we'll be at least in the race for a wild card spot. I feel like at this point uh, we've, we've added enough to have at least that kind of title. Um, I think we're going to, when Despedes comes back, I'd like to think that we're going to see a, replica, a replication of 2015. Um, it, he will be coming back around the same time that he was acquired in 2015, and I think we're, we're going to see the fire in his eyes because he wants, he wants that ring. And um, I, I think we look like a competitive team then. We're going we're gonna to look like a competitive team now, and he, he's going to be um, a big part of adding to that. So, yeah, and we've uh, got one more minute until break. Um, let's go to uh, one more call. We'll take a quick uh, – Kiberius wants to talk Harper – um, let's have him on the line. Hey, what's up, guys? Going on. Um, so hey, what's your point um, on Harper? Um, I don't. I'm just asking. Do you guys think we're gonna get him, or do you think it's just gonna be like a bunch of you know chit chat that's never gonna happen? Uh, it's it hasn't even been chit chat to this point. It's been basically what it's been has been, um, you know, we're not going to get him. That, that's uh, that's what Brody is said to this point he's gone you know he's gone from even saying we'll be even in contention to get him and that's been the point this the, the case thus far I would love if they were to, to at least give him what for every team should but I don't think it's likely I don't think we're going to get Harper sadly because he would change the lineup a very weak not very weak but it, it's not a strong lineup we have a stronger pitching and everything <laughs> Hey, hey, yeah. um, I have a question. Um, I'm going to ask you to shut the fuck up. All right, we're going to go. Um, hey, guys, this is Benson from Bucko Booth, also the producer here on this show. Just want to make sure you guys tune in to Bucko Booth, 8 a.m. Eastern on Saturday morning. We're going to be discussing all things Pirates offseason in our first baseball podcast network episode. We'll be sure to discuss the Troy Tulowitzki signing from the Yankees and what that means for Neil Huntington and the crew going forward as they search for a new shortstop as Jordy Mercer has departed for the Detroit Tigers. We're going to be talking about potential trades with the San Francisco Giants. Maybe get Brandon Crawford to help out at shortstop position and what it would take to bring the Pirate Killer to Pittsburgh. And we're going to be discussing the Pirates' recent signing of left-handed pitcher and former Cardinal Tyler Lyons. All this and much more on Bucket Booth. Remember, this Saturday, 8 a.m. Eastern, you don't want to miss it. And as always, let's go Bucks. All right, and we're back. Um, now this is the portion of the show where we will be talking on um, many different things, uh, a lot of uh, free agency such. Uh, we're going to look at what moves the Mets can make going forward. Um Definitely. What's in the what's 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 the story right now? Um, who are we going to get next? And you see a lot of um, 
a talk about like an Adam Warren sort of player or uh, who could pitch a couple innings in the bullpen, probably anchor that top of the bullpen, which is quite weak right now. I mean, you've got, who do you've got? You've got Drew Smith. You've got that uh, uh, rule five pick. I forgot his name. I think it's, it's Kyle Loudy, something like that. Um, Kyle Dowdy. There we go. You've got a couple other guys. And, you know, uh, that would be a good, uh, interesting move. You've got uh, Justin Wilson. They're looking for a lefty, maybe an Xavier Cedeno. Um So there's a lot to be done with the bullpen. They're also thinking about center field. Who should we bring in a lefty, a righty, a guy who could play really good defense in center field? That's probably what we're going to see, maybe a backup infielder. That they, they're having talks with, like, Astrubal Cabrera, who's interesting to have as a backup infielder. You know, and they're also looking to trade, you know, a catcher or something like that. Uh, what do you think? Uh, what do you think about all of that, Jake? Anything I left out? Uh, no, you sort of you covered every base. Except... I shot them all out quickly. <laughs> yeah, the only base you didn't cover was first base. We got Frank from a long, uh, long Island who has a question about first base. Frank. Hey, what's up, guys? Congratulations. Thanks, Thanks Frank. Frank. Appreciate it. All right. Um, I know we're looking at basically Peter Alonso, the rookie from you know from the minors, to take over first base. At least we're hoping that his bat is uh, ready for that. But I was thinking if as a backup, uh, someone like um, Helly Ramirez, who's not gonna, it's not gonna cost much. He's a right-handed bat that can come off the bench um, if Alonso were to be you know good enough to start. Um, what do you guys think about that? Thanks for the question, Frank. Um, you could go first and answer, Jake. Yeah, so uh, I, I I think Hanley Ramirez is, is a very interesting move to make. Um, obviously, so the first two weeks, we're probably not going to have Peter Alonzo just to keep that first year of uh, – that one more year of control. Um, so probably that first – uh, two weeks is going to be covered by uh, Dominic Smith, and uh, I don't know if adding a guy like Hamilton Ramirez is really at the top of our list, but I don't know if I'd entirely be against it as long as he doesn't fulfill that starting role. I think Peter Alonso has proved enough that he he's going to start whether whether start slow. Um, I I think he has proved himself to be a major league talent, so. I think I'm going to go with no. I'm going to say I don't know if that's great of a move just because you have Dominic Smith back there and you could you could dictate that money somewhere else because I don't think he's going to be the league minimum. Um, but, yeah, that, that's my – I'm also going to say it's very interesting. As you said, I really actually think that's a pretty decent idea. I mean, the only problem with Hanley is his defense is pretty bad, but – He's a good guy to have off the bench. It would be a good guy to have come off the bench, hit. That was one of the problems we had last year. We didn't have veteran guys on the bench that can hit and come in and play when this guy's injured. We didn't have that. So that makes sort of sense. I think we wouldn't make a move. I'm sure we're going to get some sort of first baseman that can serve as like a depth option at first base. Um, maybe it could play kind of like a Rajay Davis or a Gregor Blanco, what we've had with that. Um, you know, him... Uh, there's other options, but uh, uh, really thank you for the call. Really appreciate it. Um, 
I have one more thing, if you don't mind. Oh, you have one more thing? Yeah, sure. I It was more, more of a comment. I mean, I was a little disappointed that with being that Cespedes is going to be out for at least half the season, and we could have gone out and and picked up um, Nelson Cruz instead of letting him go to you know some, somewhere like the Twins, where he would have definitely would have been the, the you know the cleanup hitter that we needed with the right-handed bat, and definitely could have played the outfield like a right field or something like that. Mm. So I think yeah, we dropped yeah, the ball I on that. that. Yeah, I get that. I, I completely understand where you're coming from, from. We definitely need a hitter in this lineup. Somebody that can come in, drive and run, um, can slug the ball, give us home runs. I mean, that's something we're kind of missing. Um, something Jay Bruce sort of gave us a bit, even though he was not very good last year. Who knows what he'll do yeah. this year. But we kind of could use a guy like that. Nelson Cruz is a fantastic hitter. Um, his defense has been a little iffy, but, you know, we've we've got Conforto and Bru- uh, uh, Nimmo, who we, we could move Nimmo to center field or something like that. That would have made sense. Another thing, I don't expect them to sign an outfielder for the amount of money Cruz got, sadly, because, you know, the, the the amount of money we have left to spend, sadly, is pretty pretty much like $15 million for this season, which is um, about Ouch. the amount that Nelson Cruz got. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, got it kind of million, yeah, that's what we deal with with the Wilpons. That's what they've been doing for years. They want to contend, but they're not willing to put the money out in front and pay for a guy that is going to come in and change the lineup, like Parker, like Cruz would. They're going to get somebody like Denard Stan or something like that. We'll be lucky mm-hmm. if we get a guy like Adam Jones at this point. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that, that, that would be an actually nice uh, pickup, too. All right, thank yeah. you. All right, guys. Good luck with everything. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Yeah, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna add on to that. So I think the Nelson Cruz thing is a is a very good idea. I think genuinely, I I think he one he wanted to stay in the American League because uh, I don't know how much longer he's going to be around, and I don't think learning a whole entire other league is at the top of his list. Um, mm-hmm. and two, I I don't think he wants to play the field. So I think probably yeah, I get that. I, I think probably that's what happens. Um, but otherwise, I don't see why that wouldn't have happened. I feel like that's a guy we should have reached out to. He makes to. a good point. Um, he makes a good point yeah. as to a type of player we can get that could come in and hit home runs, bring in RBIs, you know, and play a corner outfield spot. Or even if we could do that with, a you know, maybe a center fielder like Harper would have been able to do. If they want to sign him, he's still out there, you know. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. even if we're going to say, uh, let's just talk about, like, Nick Markakis or, or somebody else like that, one of those guys will be nice to have, but we might not even do that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm going to go with a point of view here because I'm a big fan of Brody, I think. I haven't been shocked by the Mets in a long time, and I've been shocked by the Mets a few times in the past few months. So I think um, he's going to pull out all of his weapons, and I think, I mean, he's going to make a few really good moves that will go a little bit under the radar, like a Marlon Gonzalez that will will basically bolster every single position. I mean, he could play every position, and it, he's that depth that every single team needs. Um, he's not an amazing offensive player, but he's going to, he's going to be your seven guy, your sixth guy. 
and he's gonna he's gonna do his job. And I think guys like that are the guys that we should be looking for, um, under the constraints of what the Wilpons have have given um, Brody, which is a little bit of a smaller um, pay gap per season. Yeah, yeah, I completely get what you're saying there. Um, and you're right. I mean, you could be optimistic. I'm optimistic with Brody. Brody definitely would love to get all the money in the world. I mean, listen, he's been the one to try to get the money from these owners throughout his career. I'm sure that he's been able to get some money to, um, you know, uh, fund him, fund the, uh, uh, some players, get some more players in here, you know, um, and, you know, he's done a great job so far getting in talent. I mean, he is not like Sandy at all. Um, you know, but the Will Ponds, as we all know, is the, 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 the issue. They are limited in the money they can spend, obviously. And, you know, it hurts our um, vision of contention unless we were to break it all down and rebuild and have all these contracts that we're not paying so much for. Um, but, you know, they don't want to do that. And, um, you know, I, I love the way that Brody's done this because not many other teams have done this. They're either contending or breaking down and trying to contend. Yeah, uh, I, I think we're the big transformative group right now, and, and you, you make a very good point. We're we're one of the only guys that – I mean, I, I guess you can make a case for the Cardinals with the Paul Goldschmidt move, but I, I feel like we are the the dark horse going into next season – in the sense that no one at the at the end of the World Series and after Game Seven, no one expected us to make all these moves. No one expected us to be so so vibrant. I mean, our our GM hunt was was probably one of the lowest covered things within even New York media. So I think I think no one expected this, and and it's an exciting uh, part of being a Mets fan is to have these. As an underdog, I mean, we have all these these things to enjoy because we we don't always get them. So um, I, I'm very excited about what Brody has done, and I think there are more, I, I'm thoroughly I thoroughly believe there's more moves to come with uh, a few more backloaded contracts because that seems to be Brody's expertise. But um, I'm excited. Yeah, um, we've got a few more minutes to go until our next break. But, um, you know, just to break down a little bit more what the Mets are thinking about doing currently, um, it's a lot of uh, bullpen. They're trying to fix that bullpen, especially in the upper part of the upper echelon of that bullpen. They're trying to find guys who could come in and be, you know, pitch decently or get us to Familia, which is the main key. Um, we've got a great starting pitcher, uh, pitching rotation, so um, I'm sure that'll help me. Um, that will help us. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll see what they're going to do next to anchor that bullpen. Uh, what do you think? Uh, also, one more thing before I let you, uh, t- you know, um, Adam Warren, uh, with Adam Warren, um, there are thoughts amongst, uh, you know, uh, some beat writers that the Mets probably aren't going to get him because he's gotten um, some pretty decent offers from other teams now, and they're not willing to hit that uh, price, it seems. 
it's a it's a big issue. It's an issue that we're almost instantly beat out um, in, in a lot of these contract races, and it. I mean, it's frustrating because because we are a contending team. I mean, from this point, I feel like we are a contending wildcard team in the in the slightest. Um, yeah. Obviously, the division is around us is building as well and making big moves. Um, so we might not. I mean, their expectation is that we're gonna win. We are probable to win the NL East. Um, but I don't. I don't know if that's completely feasible yet. And I think yep. making these moves and reaching out to guys like Adam Warren is very necessary um, to, to to contend this year. All right, we're going to wrap this up uh, real quick, and we're going to go to a commercial just real quick before we go um, to call in 845-277-9345. Hey, guys, this is Max from over at the Ivy, and we hope that you'll tune in to our podcast at 9 Eastern Time and 8 Central Time on Sunday night. There we'll talk about Ryan Sandberg Hall of Fame comments and who we think will get in, who we won't, and why. Bryce Harper rumors where he will go, why he'd come to the Cubs, and why he wouldn't want to come to the Cubs. Also, another huge topic which leads to the Cubs is the bullpen. What needs to be focused on for the 2019 bullpen, what needs to be improved, and who are some names that we could potentially add to our team. And the last one is trade targets and possible extensions. So possibly Jason Hayward being traded, where Ben Zobris will be after 2018, is Chris Bryant going to be a free agent, and possibly other situations involving the Cubs. If you want to come watch, come listen at 9 Eastern Time, 8 Central Time on Sunday night. All right, and welcome back, everyone. Uh, I just want to remind everyone our, our the number to call in is 845-245. So, John, I, I have a quick question for you before we start this next segment. I, I've seen a lot about re-signing Degrom, right? Um, obviously, mm. that that's a huge that's a huge issue that needs to be um, looked Degrom. after uh, by the Mets. But I think another underwhelming issue that needs to be looked over is re-signing uh, Zach Wheeler and extending him. Um, I think with within a good year this year, or at least a good first half, there should be something done about going to go into the market and we're, we're going to lose sight of him. Um, yeah. I, I think he has the stuff. He's come back from injury, and he showed us that he could he could do a lot of really good things for this team. Um, and he's that number three guy that every team every team wants. So yep. what what do you think well, about that? Look at it this way. First off, this is a team that has been intent on building their team via the rotation. Um they've they've surpassed um fixing their offense in many different ways so that they can continue to have this rotation. Um and now it's gonna get a little bit expensive to keep these guys and we really don't have the options to um, uh, to replace these pitchers unless we were going to the free agent market, which we all know 
you know, it would be much easier just to re-sign these guys and keep them here. Wheeler should be locked up right away, I think. Grom should be locked up even quicker. DeGrom should be locked up right now. They should have contract extensions. They should um, of him uh, right away as soon as possible, right now. Him and Wheeler, and even talk to Syndergaard. A good year from Syndergaard this year. I think he's got, what, um, two, three years left of arbitration around that. These are all guys that we should keep around because they don't – Wheeler doesn't have a lot of mileage on his arms, especially after the two Tommy John surgeries. That's always going to be in the back of your mind. But, you know, he doesn't have as much mileage on his arm as somebody who's been pitching since they were 21, like Clayton Kershaw. And so same thing for Jacob deGrom. He's 30 now. He's been pitching since he was 26. He's got a lot of mileage left. Lock these guys up. It's huge. They're huge to this team. Yeah, and I think a huge part of this team is these young guys that we've brought up, uh, such as DeGrom, such as Syndergaard, such as Wheeler, and such as Jeff McNeil. We have James from Long Island on the line wanting to talk about uh, Jeff McNeil. James? James, are you there? Yeah, sorry. I was just playing some Fortnite with the boys. (laughs) What's going on, James? All right, I'm here to discuss the catching and, like, backup catching. And, by the way, my favorite player is Brendan Nimmo. That's awesome. Nimmo. All right, so what's your point on the the catching situation? I just want to know, like, what do you think they're going to do with, like, the backups and stuff, you know? Oh, well, um, from rumors, and I'll let Jake add on to me what I say after this, but um, uh, from rumors we've heard that uh, they are looking to trade either – Kevin Pulecki or Travis Darnold um, for something. They're, they're looking at the market. I'm sure they're going to no, have to wait a little bit. No, Darnold is my favorite. Darnold is – what has he done in the last couple of years? Anything. What has he done? He, he, he can't stay on the field. His defense is lackluster. He can't throw. I mean, the only way he's going to continue his career is probably um, playing, you know, um, another position. But let me tell you this just to give you a little bit of a, um, a hope for your buddy uh, Travis. Um, Travis Darnold probably not going to be the one that gets traded. It will probably, probably be Kevin Ploiecki because he has more value. He doesn't get injured as much. He gets yeah, on base. And, you know, he's a little bit more defensively sound. So they're probably going to trade him, keep Travis as the backup. Um you know, we'll see what happens going forward, but uh, that's my take on it. Um, they'll probably trade him for a low-end reliever, probably shore up that bullpen a little bit more with some sort of relief help, or they'll trade him for a uh, a low-end prospect that probably might have potential in their eyes that they could work with. Um, all right, what do you think, Jake? Yeah, so uh, just to just to tag on so that I can reassure you about Darno a little bit. Um, from what I've heard is that from the person that they trade, whoever they trade, whoever they keep, they will be in a tandem with Ramos. It won't be a starter backup situation. And I, I think for both Ploiecki and Bo, uh, Darno, uh, Darno obviously having a much longer in, injury history, but Ploiecki having his own woes, um, I, I think that tandem, especially with Ramos, who has also had his woes, I think um, that tandem is going to be something that's very important next year. So, Darno, Darno should keep uh, be around for you, buddy. Yeah, 
All right, thank you so much, James, for joining us. Really. Oh wait, I have one more question. I have one more. You have one more point. What's the point? All right, yeah. So like, since um, Cespedes is like really Cuban, how big do you think his dick is? All right, yeah. Um, let me uh, answer that with um. I don't even know how to answer that. All right. Um, thank you for the call. I really appreciate. I really, really appreciate the call, though. Uh, the first part was great. Um, so let's go on to McNeil. He was talking about McNeil. Um, McNeil is going to be a utility man for this team. I saw something interest today. interesting. Putting McNeil in center field. Now, that was interesting. I haven't heard something like that. I mean, they'd have to see how he'd do in spring training at that. Uh, you know, he can play defense. I know he can, but that adjustment would probably be ridiculously tough. You know, when, exactly when you said that, and I I didn't hear that before this, it, it just sort of clicked for me that it makes a lot of sense. I mean, he is a little bit of a shorter guy. He's pretty fast, um, and he's amazing with his glove. I feel like, so this year I actually I, I went to Fenway, um, to see the Mets play uh, there against the Red Sox. And he made this play that it, it looked like you could have placed base him. Yeah, you could have placed him a little yes. bit farther back, and he was an outfielder. So uh, it, it, that's the first thing that popped into my head, and I feel like that's, that would actually be a very interesting move that isn't actually crazy for one when changing position. Um, By the way, um, that was um, that was a um... – Name the, the second base play of the year. Um, so, but we have someone on uh, to talk about um, uh, Tyrone from California. He wants to talk about Jeff McNeil as well. Hey, Tyrone, how are you? Hi, great. How are you? Good, good. What, what's your point on uh, Jeff McNeil, Tyrone? I mean, I think he has potential being next Daniel Murphy, like back when he was amazing in the postseason. I just think he should have a role. I don't really see the like the, I don't see Frazier as an everyday player. Me either. I definitely agree I, with you on I, that. I, um, they're going to. Yeah, what I definitely think is that uh, Todd Frazier will be the opening day third baseman. Um, no, what, no, I don't think that. Losing... If, if it, maybe if it's a righty on the mound, but well, well, I honestly well, let me let me, let me just finish this off real quick. Let me just finish okay. off my point. I think I think he'll be the opening day third baseman, but he'll he'll continue to prove that he's not good hitter because that's what he's proved over the last half decade. He can't really hit anymore. He can play good defense, but that's it. And Jeff McNeil will prove um, and get into the lineup um, instead of Frazier, I think. And Frazier will probably play as a decent veteran backup player, kind of like Michael Kadire from 2015, a platoon player against lefties maybe, which I think would be a good role for him. Yeah, I yeah, don't I, see I think he's – I mean, he's a nice guy. I love him as a guy. But I just don't see it anymore in him. I think he's getting old. All yeah, right. I, thank I, you, Tyrone. I totally agree with Tyrone. Thanks for thanks for coming on, by the way. I, I totally agree with Tyrone. I, I don't think he's the guy anymore, but I think he's a very necessary part of this clubhouse to succeed. Um, just because of his optimism um, – because of what he brings to the table as um, someone who grew up in, in the tri-state area, 
I think he's he's a big part of the success of this team, maybe not on the field, um, but within the clubhouse. And I think uh, I think Neil, I totally agree with you, John. I think McNeil will prove himself over time, but opening day is going to be Todd Frazier just because of the name. It'll be kind of like Brandon Nimmo from last year when he didn't play uh, um, on opening day. By the way, did you know that Todd Frazier played in the Little League World Series? <laughs> yeah, and and isn't there a picture of him? That's, that's next... always a joke on Twitter because everybody says that, so it's just hilarious. Every time I think of Todd Frazier, I think of that joke. Yeah, it, I mean, they, they love to cut the clip. Whenever, whenever we're on Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN, they love to cut the clips. Of, of Derek Jeter standing next to Todd Frazier. <laughs> That's the only reason we know it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it's funny. Tom Zerver kid. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, McNeil, he's just such a great ball player. I think he can hit just the way Daniel Murphy did, you know, to the gaps. He's not going to pop all these home runs. Maybe he will when he gets to, um, like Murphy did when he leaves the Mets. <laughs> He'll start popping all yeah. the home runs. But, um, you know, he's a great offensive uh, catalyst who's going to hit around 300. Um, just to, before we continue, we've got another call. Connor from Tilted Towers wants to talk Mets-Yankees. Hey, Connor, how are you? Hey, uh, I just want to talk about the Mets rivalry, please. Mets and Yankees yeah, sure. rivalry. So like yeah, go I'm ahead. a Yankee fan. I'm not hating on any on on the Mets. Please don't go off on me. Please, please, please. But um, uh, I'm you a Yankee fan. Dance, I just want to know. Like I know we only have like four games that we verse you guys, but like yeah. how do you feel? Do you think there should be more games that we play, you guys and stuff? Yeah. That's a good point. Um, first off, the, let me make this point because I thought it was awesome. Um. I was listening to uh, Joe and Evan one time, and they were talking about how they should have them instead of like that idiot. Um, uh, what's his name? Um, the guy with the glasses. He's this broadcaster they had last year, and he's like the most boring guy of all time to listen to a the game. Twenty-seven rings. Sorry, had a cough. Oh uh, yeah, thank you, uh, <laughs> thank you for uh, pointing that out. Let, let me finish yeah, up uh, quickly before you get into a little Yankee uh, tirade. Um, Sorry, what they I'm should just do is off the stand. All right, get them off. All right. <laughs> well, let me continue to talk about that. We, you know, we should really screen the calls. Um, what we have to talk about. Um, they should have a Mets, the Mets and Yankees broadcasters come together and broadcast a game. I think that would be pretty awesome. Like Gary and uh, Mike, or you know, having Keith, Ron, and um, Al Leiter in the the studio that would be great um so we'll get to one more call from michael um from saratoga springs he wants to do trade talks after this we'll be wrapping up the show hey michael hey how you doing what's going on michael Uh, hey i was just uh wondering like what would you think about like a lugo trade for maybe a prospect like kyle tucker now I've heard about this, and it's really interesting. I'll tell you now, it's, it, there's no chance of it happening, sadly. T- Tucker's a great prospect, but they're not even willing to trade Tucker for um, Real Muto. So, you know, coming to Lugo, Lugo's a very good reliever. He's got a lot of value, tremendous value. He's going to be around for a long time because uh, of his arbitration situation. But something like that's probably not going to happen. It'll probably be another decent prospect. 
But um, even with that, I I prefer to keep Seth Lugo in the bullpen. Um, if we get a prospect like Kyle Tucker, sign me up. What do you think, Jake? Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I totally agree with you. I don't see Kyle Tucker coming. But I do see Seth Beer. I think that would be a very good move. I've been a fan of Seth Beer throughout his whole entire career um, with Clemson. I think he's an excellent ball player. And I think, I mean, I preferably don't want to let go of Lugo because I know when he goes to the Astros, they're going to do whatever RPM magic they did on Cole and Verlander. And his his RPM is breaking numbers that have never been broken before. So I'm scared of that. I don't want that to happen, but I would be, very optimistic if we got a guy like Seth Beer who, I mean, he would basically replace Jared Kalanick. He's someone who is going to be better than Jared Kalanick, in my opinion. So, I mean, that would wow. basically fix the whole entire Diaz trade. Um, and, All right. and Lugo, yeah. I, I'd miss, but good riddance if, if it's Seth Beer. Yeah. All right. Thank you all for joining us today on our podcast tonight. Um, I enjoyed all the calls. It was very uh, good show. Um, and we'll see you next week Thursday. Um, everyone have a good evening. Thanks, guys. Amazing Nuts is produced by Benson Fester. Amazing Nuts is a baseball podcast network production. Be sure to give our host a follow on Instagram, John at Mets Updates, and Jake at the first 162. For more Amazing Mets coverage, be Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.